You may be seated. Well, good morning, saints. Morning, morning sinners. Morning. It is good to see everybody this morning. Um, we are going to pick up in the story with Jesus uh, in Luke's story time, um, a day or two away from Jesus entering into Jerusalem on what we would call uh, Palm Sunday. At the moment, we find Jesus and his disciples. Um, somewhat east-northeast of Jerusalem, uh, roughly 25, 20 miles away down the mountain uh, along the Jordan River in the town of Jericho. And Jesus and this gathering crowd has been coming from the Galilee in the north and just pushing intently south. Well, along with Jesus' movement south is this entire congregation of the people of Israel, because it's Pentecost. And it's their major festival in Jerusalem, Passover. So not only is Jesus moving down, but so are Jews coming from every corner of Israel to go to, to, go to Jerusalem and celebrate Passover. And then infused in this giant mass of people, add the electricity to the atmosphere of Jesus' exploding popularity as he makes his way south. If we are careful readers of the Scripture, we can begin to see how Luke, the storyteller, is slowing the action down the closer Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Um, like tapping on the brakes on a car, to gently slow the forward momentum, Luke inserts two Jericho stories back to back, forcing you and I as readers and listeners of the text to drop things into lower gear. Think of it this way. When I go out on, in, on my motorcycle Bella and go cruising around the country byways, I like to zipper up. But I know good and well, as I come to small little towns like Clewiston and others, the speed limit drops dramatically, and I usually know that there's going to be a Clewiston police officer behind a billboard. I know to slow down. And as I'm approaching the town limits, I begin to feather down on my clutch to slow my forward progress down. Well, that's what Luke is doing in our story today. He is slowing us down with these Jericho narratives. Um, in verses 18-35, the text right before this morning's, um, we note that Jesus was approaching Jericho from the north. And this blind man hears that Jesus is coming and starts yelling over the crowd, Heal me! And the text says literally, if you want to talk about slowing things down, Jesus stopped right in the middle of the road. And he healed the blind man. And Luke says that when all the people saw this, they praised God. They just erupted. And this is where we pick up in today's story. From the blind man, people exclaiming glory, to this story today. You may have heard it before. Listen to it again. Jesus entered Jericho. 
and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not. For you see, because he was a short in stature, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he stopped, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down here. I must stay in your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy and joyful to welcome him. And all who saw it, hear this, all who saw it, hmm, began to grumble. And they said, this Jesus has gone off to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there, and he said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Beloved, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. But the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. In your imagination, I want you to place yourself in the story. I want you to actually, in your mind, place yourself in this story. First century Palestine, it's hot, it's Florida hot. You're sweating, huge crowds pushing, this throng of people. This blind man has just been um, healed just outside of the city gate. And the roads are packed. We're talking I-95 boat show packed. And it's, people are just thronging down south. And word is spreading quickly among the crowd about this Jesus. And as people watched this interchange between Jesus and Zacchaeus, we are told in verse 11, the the next verse after our story this morning, now while they were listening to Jesus interchange with Zacchaeus, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Because the people, the grumbling ones, thought that the kingdom of God was to appear at once. So the grumbling ones and the non-grumbling ones were expecting the kingdom of God to appear at once. Now, can you feel the energy? Can you find yourself in the midst of a crowd like that? Can you feel the excitement? Do, Do we fully understand, beloved, that for the Jew of that day, the kingdom of God coming at once was as much a political statement as it was a spiritual one? Coursing through these growing masses of people was this building anticipation among some of them that Independence Day was about to occur. That they were going to regain control of their their homeland, both politically and 
with this possible new Messiah spiritually, and that God's anointed was among the crowds rubbing shoulders with us. If you were there, if you were there, what would you be seeing? What would you be feeling? Now try to freeze action in your mind. Just hit the pause button. People are up close to Jesus. The crowd is pushing him forward. The throngs of masses going to Jerusalem. People are trying to see him, touch him. They're trying to yell above the den to get his attention, to pay attention to me. People in the back of the crowds who haven't come into the city yet, they are hearing that something big is going up up front, and they are beginning to push this mass forward into Jericho. And we see them get pressed tighter and tighter as they come in the city gate. You know, we woke up this morning, um, tragically, to the news that 151 people, at least, died in Seoul, Korea this morning from a crowd surge at a Halloween festival. Think about the weight of the crowd. This crowd around Jesus was thronging. It was surging as the pilgrims pushed their way to see Jesus and to head to the Passover celebrations. And as we watched Jesus go by, we begin to see people descending from all directions to, to get a piece of Jesus. And like every crowd, there's this group over here that's excited as this could be the moment that the Messiah is here. Wow, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then you had this group also, like in all crowds, the grumblers. The complainers, the ones who kept on the periphery complaining about all those people, complaining about this so-called kingdom of God with this pauper prince who was stirring everything up. You see, grumblers, they long for quiet stability. They love predictability. They like the quiet ebbs and flows of a very dull, mundane life because it doesn't require them to expend energy. They are the keepers of the status quo because change is uncomfortable, change is inconvenient because it forces you, as you get into that change, to change yourself and to adapt. They would rather grumble than to adapt. So, what do you do? You're a little person. You're a little person, and you are more or less despised by everybody in the city because you are the chief tax collector on Rome's behalf, raising revenue from your countrymen and women, and you aren't very ethical, generally, when you're doing it. You're a really liked guy. Not. You feel the excitement of the crowd. You're watching all this open up in front of you. 
Um, you experience the electricity in the air. You too have heard the stories about this itinerant rabbi, Jesus, who has confounded the religious establishment, has healed the broken, and preaches a very simple message that people are to be gracious and patient with one another, that we are to love one another, and that we are to grow the circle wide and embrace others who may not be just like you and me, but are following Jesus too. So you want to see who this Jesus was. Zacchaeus was no fool. He didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. He knew that his miserable reputation kind of made him a marked man, particularly in this giant crowd. Um, and what he lacked, though, in uh, stature, he, he made up in shrewdness. For Zacchaeus understood, you know, people know who I am and all. I can't see very well from my size. I'm going to preposition myself on the parade route. I'm going to preposition myself. I'm going to come down here like at Coley Hammock at 12 p.m. on the boat parade today and stake out places to watch the parade. That's what Zacchaeus did. He went ahead, saved a seat, he climbed up a sycamore tree, and, and all we know is he just wanted to see who Jesus was. We don't have any idea of his attitudes towards Jesus, his intentions towards Jesus. All we know is that he was interested in learning about this new controversial rabbi or was he just another looky-loo along the parade route, trying to get a glimpse of the day's cause celebre? We honestly don't know. We don't know. So let's look at what we do know about this text and what we don't know from this text. What we do know is this. Even though Zacchaeus did not know who Jesus was, Jesus <laughs> immediately knew who Zacchaeus was. Jesus knew who he was. He said, come on down. We know Jesus is the one who initiated the relationship between himself and Zacchaeus. We know that Jesus felt strongly about uh, the need to get to know this pariah of the community. We know that Jesus spent the day with him. Wanted to have more than likely a meal with him. Have table fellowship with him. We know that Zacchaeus was thrilled to respond to Jesus' request. And we also know there were others in the thronging crowd who began to gripe and grumble. This Jesus, he's a guest of a sinner. One of those people. And finally, we know from our story that the wholeness was restored between Zacchaeus and the community because Zacchaeus reconciled himself by paying back. We know that Zacchaeus was reconciled to God. You see, we, we see Jesus actively trying to reconcile those who are on the outside with those who are on the inside. We see in our story that Jesus is tearing down boundaries of division and bring healing and reconciling among people. And finally, we see someone who is flat out joyous 
to have what Jesus did. Come and have, let me spend a day with you, Zacchaeus. And we see those on the side complaining. The story gives this juxtaposition of joy and grumbling. Just like real life, huh? In a recent conversation with uh, General Presbyter from the neighboring Presbytery, Peace River Presbytery, which is Fort Myers and, and all that area, Milana Scruggs, she indicated, and hear this, 49% of mainline pastors are leaving the ministry. 49%. Why? Because they are burned out from trying to appease the grumblers on the periphery who are upset that the status quo is being challenged and they simply don't like it. They are too comfortable with the way things are. They do not want to expend the energy to move their fanny over in the pew to let someone else sit down next to them. They are opposed to fresh ideas. Or even, God forbid, they are reticent to even admit they may be wrong. And as tempting as it was to, to approach this text and say, you know, I'm going to write a sermon about if Jesus invited you to spend the day with you, what, how would you spend your day with Jesus? And, you know, that's kind of a softball, um, softball sermon. But then I realized the all-too-prevalent notion that in many Christian circles and in many churches, there are way too many people who grumble about the grace extended to those people who are obviously sinners and who are left wondering who invited them here. Who said it was okay for, for us to do that to them? Today, you church are voting upon whether or not to change our church's leadership structure to a model of senior pastor to co-pastors. Looking over the last five years, I've journeyed with you. I have seen a metamorphosis that has been subtle in you, but has been ever so noticeable. Let me explain. Almost two months ago, the church leadership held a leadership advance with a church consultant who came from the outside uh, to come and help us wrestle with issues of church identity and our future. Well, some weeks after that event, uh, Nick was talking to the consultant reflecting on the weekend, and the church consultant made an observation about you, church, that I think is beautiful and precious. He called you an obliterating categories congregation. Pretty sexy title, huh? An obliterating categories congregation. He said, you know, here I was leading a large group of leaders of all ages, all sexes, and, and we were talking about the church's purpose, its identity, its reason to be in the community. 
Here was a, a matriarch of the church sitting and dialoguing with a gay man, and they were getting along. They were sharing ideas with each other. And, and then at worship, I, golly, he says, I encounter a worship experience that contains elements of Southern evangelicalism, but it was combined with thoughtful, reformed, inclusive voices and spirit. He says, I've never seen that in a church in our denomination before. You are different. You're not trying to do it. You're just being yourselves. You are obliterating the categories of different people in quiet, non-intrusive, natural ways. Wow. Hearing you describe that way causes me to be extremely joyful. It communicates to me that folks are here. The folks here are becoming more joyful, egalitarian, inclusive, and impatient with each other as we walk side by side together into the future of what God is calling us to do here in Broward County and beyond. It causes me to be joyful because it demonstrates that we as a congregation you as a congregation are growing deeper in your imitation of Jesus Christ. And it causes me joy, beloved, because of the cacophony of grumbling is being replaced with sounds of gratitude and thanksgiving and give and take and let's figure out a solution together. Amen. So, beloved, today, as we leave... I want us all to reflect on the juxtaposition of our expressed joy and our personal grumbling. I want us to ask ourselves, am I a part of the obliterating category part of the congregation? Or am I just grumbling because things are different and I'm trying to hold on to the status quo? And then ask the Holy Spirit to haunt you, to reveal to you what God wants us to know. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn, and then we'll go into the congregational meeting.